I rarely can get in six gear. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, for, for 35s, I think you probably need uh, 456s, don't you? 456 or 488s. Right. Because there, there's times when I can't stay in fifth gear long. You know, if we're nice, flat, then we're good to go. But And if I'm doing about 80, I'm okay. Other than that, you know, I need to re-gear. That'll be one of the next things after I... After I replace those those aluminum knuckles that I still can't believe they made, yeah, gearing will be next. Right. Hi, ho Jeeper. I'm Tony, and welcome to the Jeep Talk Show, where we put the fun in off-road fun. This is the only show where you can hear Jeep owners talk about things like mud, rocks, and giant tires, maybe UFOs, and not get weird looks. So strap in, grab your favorite beverage, and get ready to laugh, learn, and have a damn good time. We guarantee that after listening to us, you'll have the sudden urge to go buy a Jeep and hit the trails, and so don't say I didn't warn you. On tonight's episode, we're going to talk about a lady setting fire to her boyfriend's Jeep, and hilarity ensues. Yes, it was dangerous. Don't try this at home or mm. in your boyfriend's parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> and what's up, Larry? Uh, different ways to build your rig. And... We're going to talk about UFOs. Larry literally gave me a WTF when I put this in the uh, the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know about the congressional hearings that went on. Maybe you don't either. And a must-have for your Jeep, specifically the TJ. Yes, we give the older Jeeps more love in this episode. Bilstein shocks, uh, 5100s, I believe. Those, are, I think, are the, probably the, the best ones for the older Jeeps. I know there's lots of arguments about this, but if it's just a, a general good shock to put in there, I think those are really good. We'll talk more about that here in just a couple minutes are you ready it's time for the jeep talk show with hosts tony josh wendy and chuck hi i'm larry and how much do you want to spend on your upgrades uh 550 for some jurassic park stickers thank you very much <laughs> we can make that happen <laughs> so uh larry as a patreon subscriber what do you find was the best thing about doing that? Or, or, or was it just uh, to keep me from uh, bugging you about being a Patreon subscriber? Well, actually, the bit, the best part of that whole thing for me was all the discounts. Yeah, that is good. And uh, I reached out to another uh, past guest uh, for a discount. I'm not going to say who, because if they say no or who are you, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want it to be a negative thing that they didn't show up, but uh, I'm always uh, reaching out to uh, to guests, uh, past guests, uh, current guests, about uh, doing uh, discount codes for you guys, your, the Patreon subscribers. And if you're saying, I'm not a Patreon subscriber, well, you know what you got to do, don't you? Yeah, because you know that Jeep is never done. No, you're it's, always it's buying. Not. You're always buying parts. Yeah, and you might as well get a discount, right? Uh, That's and, right. And you help out the show that you love, the Jeep Talk Show. Just go to, over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, go and just dig around there. You'll see how you can uh, become a patron subscriber. You'll also see how you can sign up for a newsletter. You'll also see how you can join our disc, uh, discount, our, our Discord server. Uh, that would be funny. We could set up a discount server where you have to join that one and uh, get all the discount codes. Uh, oh, and I'll mention really quick, maybe you already know this, uh, Larry, to get the discount codes for Patreon, you have to access your account from uh, the desktop, uh, the, the the online app or the app that runs on your phone. For some silly reason, they don't show the discount codes. Uh, but it's, a, it's an error. Hopefully, they're working on it. They'll get that worked out. 
Uh, but for right now, just go to your desktop uh, if you have one. Maybe you have to use the, the computer at work uh, to get your discount code. But, uh, yeah, there's discount codes there. I would think that probably the best one for general Jeep stuff is the uh, uh, Northridge4x4.com uh, discount code. That's that's yeah. a great one. Uh, that I was, one's paid off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was uh, I was looking at the Baxter Performance um, um what do they call it? The filterless or the screw on filter uh, replacement thing for the 3.6. And I think it came up around $346 or something on uh, Northridge. I put in my discount code and I had 10% off and it, it dropped it down to, I think, 307, uh, which is, uh, which is wonderful such a, for such a well-made product. I mean, you could see the quality in that. Uh, and of course we, uh, we spoke with Kevin Baxter, the owner of uh, Baxter performance, uh, about those things on a, a previous episode that you guys can just go over to jeeptalkshow.com, do a quick search for Baxter Performance and uh, listen to that and get more information on that, uh, that great little product. And and if you don't know, uh, the big thing is not just putting a, a standard filter on your 3.6. The big deal is, is that it traps oil up in the top of uh, that oil filter so that when you go to start the engine after it's you know been sitting there for a little while, it, hell, 15 minutes, all the oil drops. Uh, drips down into the pan, uh, then uh, that oil uh, is at the top of the engine in your filter, so the upper part of your engine gets oiled a lot quicker, uh, so you don't have a uh, a dry start for the upper part of your engine. And I'm interested in having that 3.6 last a long time. Yeah, you know, I actually see Northridge actually put a video out on that as that well. That was a good video. I love their videos. They have good ones. Mm-hmm. Very detailed, and uh, it was uh, it was interesting to see what they uh, what, uh, what was it? I think the the all for the both of my motorbuilt bumpers, uh, I watched their videos, and it made it uh, real easy uh, to install. Uh, you know, years ago, and I'm sure you did the same thing. Maybe you still do it, Larry. Uh, you just get the stuff, you eyeball it, and you may read the instructions, and you uh, you put it on, and you figure it out as you go. But boy, if you can just sit in the AC and watch somebody else do it. And then go out there and go, oh yeah, and it just it just makes things go quicker. It's like you've done it more than once. Yeah, we make quite a few install videos, so I know exactly what that's like. No, oh, and and thank you for all that because the install videos, any videos you do, are difficult uh, difficult to do. It's much easier just doing it uh, and being done with it. But when you're, you have to stop and check the camera, and check the angle, and uh, you know check the lighting, all that stuff can be a real pain in the ass. Adds. Uh, of the time or more to uh, getting the job done. At least. All right, Larry, uh, have you ever uh, gotten so mad at your ex-boyfriend that you wanted to set uh, his Jeep on fire? Can't say that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Although you you probably had Duke get a little angry when you ran out of snacks, right? (laughs) That might might happen. (laughs) So uh, this is a story that happened a few years ago, but some of you guys may not be aware of it or have forgotten uh, so bringing it back here, because I think this is just a dandy of a story. Uh, it's, it's, it's really sad, but it's very funny. So I, I think we've all seen uh, Bob uh, go out and put 15 gallons on a, uh, a pile of sticks and lumber and stuff, because you're going to have a really big uh, bonfire, lights it up, and then Bob disappears in flames momentarily, and then you see him running and smoking away from the, fly- the fire. That is called uh, gas fumes. <laughs> you know Bob's calling now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Bob used to have a full head of hair. 
Uh, and uh, so this is what happens when you get the right air fuel mixture. It will it will light up like a well I can't even say like a Roman candle. It lights up like a nuclear weapon uh, going off. <laughs> so this is what happened to a lady that uh, when she decided she was going to break in the windows of her ex boyfriend's Grand Cherokee, and we all us guys, you know what you did, you know what this guy did. And there was oh, something yeah. he did something very very wrong to this woman. <laughs> <laughs> but it did not need the criminal activity, but we all understand it, right? Do we? Do we? Yeah, I think we do. So uh, she is lucky to be alive because uh, I, I think her anger uh, limited her ability to measure because she put a lot of gasoline on the inside of this Grand Cherokee. And we can all imagine, based on what I've already said, what happened when she decided to throw the match in. Do you remember this story, Larry? No, but I'm sitting here... I'm sitting here looking at the show notes, and it, I didn't see her in this picture till just now. <laughs> There's some legs at the bottom of that fireball. That's what I just seen. <laughs> so uh, we actually have a link to the uh, the YouTube video, one of the many YouTube videos that are available, and you can see her not only being this ball of fire momentarily, but knocked to the ground on her back. And in fact, she may have hit hit the car that was parked next to this Grand Cherokee. And you know, I kind of have a problem with that. I mean, I understand that she's upset with him and he well deserves an ass whipping or something. Uh, But what about the car next? This is like a a apartment complex parking lot. What about the vehicles next to this Grand Cherokee that she's lighting up in the daylight? Mind you, this is how angry she was. Uh, because it's not only going to do damage to, the, to the, 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 the person that she's wanting to attack, but the, the, the vehicles that are around it. Oh, she's paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently she was easy to find because they were yeah. looking for somebody that didn't have any eyebrows, <laughs> no eyelashes. <laughs> I don't think she had any permanent damage other than just hair burnt off. You know how you can have a flash and it's very hot and it's very scary? Uh, but it's not like you're running uh, with a, a with a, like a fire a streak of a, a fireball across the parking lot. It didn't set her on fire, but that uh, air fuel mixture just just boomed and knocked her ass down. Yeah, that's a hell of a picture there. That's- <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta check out the link uh, for that YouTube video. It's actually in the news story uh, uh, that uh, when this happened uh, back, it was it was a big news story, uh, very well covered because it's it was a daylight thing. It was a, a cell phone. Uh, uh, camera that was uh, watching her do all of this stuff. So it wasn't just the aftermath. It wasn't just the the event. It was her busting in the glass, pouring in the the, the fuel, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, it was uh, captured live uh, by a cell phone camera, and uh, she's now internet famous for all the wrong reasons. And uh, <laughs> the cell phone guy wow. said, "I can't believe somebody would do something like this." And you piss off the. I just want. I want to tell you guys. If you don't already know this, the the pretty ones are usually crazy, <laughs> and that can be fun, but up to a point. <laughs> you know, it's fun yeah. having that passion that until until people start losing body parts. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't even know how to come back off that one because <laughs> the, the side of that picture, all you see is two little legs hanging out of this of. She's kind of like the marshmallow in a s'mores campfire set up. Yes. Uh, so, obviously, she didn't realize that all the fumes from the glass uh, gas that she was pouring into the Jeep would ignite and create a huge fireball and a mini explosion. Uh, the fumes are just as flammable uh, as the gas. 
Well, she certainly knows that now. Man, I feel bad for her ex-boyfriend and really feel bad for the Jeep. I mean, what did the Jeep ever do to her? That's a very good point. He probably loved his Jeep. I bet you that's the reason why she attacked the Jeep. That, and it's uh, probably less criminal activity than attacking the boyfriend with uh, a mass quantity of gas. Oh. I guess it may not even be a felony on an old XJ, right? <laughs> well, this is a Grand. I believe this is a Grand Cherokee. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. I don't know, Larry. What would, uh, what would, I mean, I, I guess it would be make it better if you had a video of what happened, but wouldn't that be horrible to, to come out to your vehicle on fire? Let's think about the port, the, the cars on, like you said, on both sides of that one. You know, they're just getting smoked. Oh, the heat from that thing burning? Yeah, they're, they're getting a little of that gift, too. Yeah, I just can't imagine. I, I wonder, you know, I don't. I never remember hearing anything more on the story as what, what ultimately wound up happening to her. Uh, what would be your guess? Do you think she got some uh, uh, financial restitution, uh, maybe some jail time, or uh, just uh, financial restitution with uh, a... Uh, um, you know, maybe some ankle monitoring, you know, the, the probation type stuff. Yeah, my my bet would be ankle bracelet and uh, probably about the extent of it. Um, would you think there would be like a, uh, what do you call it? Not statute of limitations. Whenever they you, you write up the thing so people have to stay away from you. What's that, uh, what's that called? Restraining order? Restraining order. I'm thinking there was a restraining order where she has to stay 300 feet from every gas station. Yeah, well, you don't know that he <laughs> he might have already had his training order on her. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why she couldn't come in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, there's some trouble whenever you see the you, the the person with a tape measure measuring from where you live to to, to your jeep, right? Yeah, walking walking towards your car with a gas can and a cigarette. So I'm wondering if the person that was recording with the cell phone it, it couldn't have been the ex-boyfriend because he would have done something run out there stopped her or something like that so this is probably somebody uh another apartment dweller that happens to see what's going on you gotta wonder did they actually even yell at her or let her know she's being recorded or hey what are you doing i mean as soon as the the glass broke uh on the the grand cherokee wouldn't wouldn't you yell at her and they're probably just sitting here chuckling, just filming this. Oh, you know, you're right. This is like, oh, I'm going to get a million views from this. I'm just going to. That's right. Yeah, I'm not. It's not my responsibility. <laughs> this is the video version of Hold Hold My Beer. <laughs> oh, if America's Funniest Home Videos was only still on. I think we talked about that last uh, last week. <laughs> yeah, that was a quick stop, drop, and roll after that. Oh, good Lord. That poor girl. I'm glad she wasn't injured. Uh, I mean, she does need to be held accountable, which I'm sure she was. Welcome to Codependence, the weekly podcast that gives you direct access to me, Maya Allen, and my sis, Sierra Miller. Every week, we give you insider access into our sisterhood and lives. Part self-help and part comedic relief, Codependence is all about letting your guard down. Expect a lot of laughs and maybe some tears as we navigate this crazy world together. Join us every Wednesday for this funny, tea-spilling, shade-throwing podcast. I'm going to have to look that up and see what uh, ultimately happened to her uh, from uh, from the law standpoint. There's no way she didn't get some kind of injury out of that. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Um, it, it, uh, she was probably couldn't see very good for a while just from the flash. <laughs> <laughs> 
got up and ran into another vehicle doing uh, $300 of damage whenever she cratered the side of the car. Of course, I'm joking. I know I have no idea what happened. <laughs> hmm. Well, anyway, uh, dumb criminals. Uh, I always used to love hearing the, uh, the dumb criminal story, uh, especially if the Jeep survived okay. And, and I was always amazed how the Jeeps seemed to uh, outlast the uh, the police that was chasing them. <laughs> does does the phrase Richard Pryor mean anything to you? Oh all? no, that's too <laughs> soon. Too soon. <laughs> Welcome to Fabricating Frenzy with Larry, also known as Jeeping Mo, whose hair is not curly. You know, <laughs> if he had just mentioned one of the other Stooges, he would have had all of them in there. Mo. Uh, Curly uh, and Larry. So, oh, I, I get it. I think I just got that joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, building your rig on a budget. So, we all want a we all want a Jeep with all the options as the end goal. But we all start from a different point. And it would be nice to walk into the dealership and check all the boxes and get all the options, and then take it out and wheel it. But as we know, that'd be very expensive, and sometimes you may end up with certain option packages and end up with some of those unwanted features. So then what are your options? Well, you can always go buy a lesser model, and there's aftermarket parts that any vendor will sell you, and the sky's the limit for those. Then there's factory takeoffs, and that allows you to build or upgrade it to whatever you want from factory parts. And that's what we did. When it came time, I couldn't afford to buy a Rubicon, so I bought a Sport S as a platform and then bought a set of Rubicon axles. And that gave us the gearing and the lockers and all that at a fraction of the cost. So... Here are a few tips if you want to do the same thing. Whether you're looking to buy a new Jeep or just have an older Jeep, take a look at what the factory options were were available for that Jeep when it was new. And many times you can just go buy a set of factory takeoffs like axles or bumpers or any of those things. And they will typically just bolt on in the same location. But I always say do your research. And there most likely will be some small differences. On RJL, there was some small things like brake lines. Now, they all look the same, but we ran into a few issues with brake lines. Well, fortunately, those were fairly easy to, you know, to go get new ones. But one thing I'm looking for is a set of steel knuckles. Now, I could just go out and get a set of reed racing knuckles. And... They're very nice parts, and I don't know if many people know this, but on a Sport S or many of the models, the new JLs have aluminum knuckles. But what we're, what we're trying to do is go out and get a set off of a Rubicon Recon model. And there are a couple other models that use the steel knuckles as well. And they will bolt right up with no issues. Now, if you have an older model Jeep like a YJ, a TJ, or even an XJ, there would be a ton of aftermarket parts that you can use to upgrade your rig. Obviously, none of them are one-ton axles, 
but there are many interior parts like seats, drivetrain stuff, and many of the body panel parts out there. You know, for those older rigs, it'll that will probably cross over to what you want. But there's always a group of Jeepers and our Discord discussing parts and upgrades just like this. Now I don't know exactly what parts will interchange for all the older rigs, but I will suggest if you're looking to do something like that, check out our Discord room. There's always a bunch who are willing to help out and they know quite a few what will and won't work on the older Jeeps. We were, we were having this discussion just the other day. We were talking about TJ axles, and it wasn't an hour or two or later that someone chimed in about having a set of them. So you'd be surprised what others take off for aftermarket parts. And you can use those parts, and you can build a really nice rig at a much lower budget. And it just depends on what you're planning on doing with your Jeep. So once you figure it out... Go out and build what you want. And it's, you know, it's always amazed me how much difference in price there are for takeoffs. Oh, I don't know, Tony, man, you've seen so much. You've seen, you see a lot of people go out, like the set of axles I bought, the gentleman was, was wanting to run a set, a set of 40s on it, and that Jeep had less than 30,000 miles on it, and I paid, uh, I'll, I'll just say I paid three dollars $3,000 for a set of Rubicon axles. That you know, I got a gearing and I got the uh, the uh, lockers out of the deal. Right, and there was nothing that you had to do because it was already all set up. It's just take them right. off, take the ones off your your Jeep, and put the ones on. Right, and then you know, like a reference there, we were talking in a Discord room the other day with uh, with uh, Rick, the gentleman who uh, turned his TJ into a submarine, <laughs> and and uh, you know, he was looking at a set of axles, and it wasn't. It, like I said, about an hour or so later, I'm going to chime in about having a set of uh, TJ axles that were uh, all ready to go for him. Oh, I didn't know. I missed that. That's great. Yeah. Because I was giving him a hard time about polishing a turd, that Dana 35. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you got guys like uh, like uh, Josh in there, Josh Downs. That he really knows those older Jeeps, mm -hmm. what will and won't work. So I'd always suggest if you're looking at doing anything or some advice or our our Discord room has a lot of good people in there that has a lot of knowledge that can definitely help out. Yep. Uh, sometimes you have to you know hit the hit the Discord room a few times before they're on. Uh, it's not like a forum sure. where you can just post and uh, come back whenever you uh, whenever you uh, see that there's something to read. But uh, it's interactive, so uh, the more you're on there, the the better. Uh, the more likely you're going to uh, get help uh, with uh, with the problem you're having. What were the? I'm just kind of curious since I missed it on the Discord. What uh, what were the axles that uh, that uh, Rick uh, found? So uh, Bob in there had a set. Was like, this, I think are you it talking was talking about Fu Bob. Fu Bob. I think yep. it was him. Him or Dutch had a set of uh, a set of possibly Rubicon takeoffs that he could put under the you know, set of Dana forty four takeoffs. Very nice. Yeah. And, you know, each one of those, I don't know if they move the, you know, the, the control arm locations much at all from model to model. I would think that they pretty much standardize that from model to model. So you should be able just to take them and slide them right underneath there with the minimal amount of work. 
were they TJ Rubicon axles? I think so. Yeah, that 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 should be really easy then. Now you mentioned the brake lines on yours. You actually, the, I'm, I'm trying to remember this. So the brake lines that you had on your Sport S did not work with the Rubicon axles. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So a Rubicon uses a entirely different caliper. So the banjo fitting won't work off of the uh, off the Sport S. But as far as putting the right brake lines on, it still fits to the hard line, and then it fits the caliper. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And and you know if you're putting the lift on anyway, you really should be putting extended brake lines on either way. Right. So you know I use this. I use the Evo's extended brake lines, and. Uh, they work out fairly well. So once I put those on there, it really doesn't matter at, at that point if you're running Sport or Rubicon. It's just the factory hoses won't work for both. Right. Uh, and was this front and rear or just the front? Uh, front and rear. Front and rear are both different. And, it, yeah, so what we took is we took the uh, Rubicon axles, and uh, I actually welded a truss system on it. And... Uh, so that was really the most the most I had to do to it, and that was something I elected to do. Mm-hmm. But I welded that all together because you know the JLs have that fad system, and it helps stiffen that section of the uh, axle housing up. And then give, give, it also gave me a chance to really kind of go through them, inspect the bearings, and you know really look at it real good and in depth versus just sliding them in there right yeah my, i mean it's going to be a lot easier to look at and work on outside of the jeep than uh, attached to it right and, and you know for the most part too you're uh once you pull the axles out other than the bearings that are in your carrier you can you can replace your axles your bearings and all that and the the steel unless it's bent it's not going to go bad over time. So a little bit of a little bit of love, and you can put just about anything in there, and give it a quick inspection and back off to the races you are. And obviously, if you're wanting to run one ton axles, that's a whole separate deal. Right. So did you have to do anything with your your drive shafts, or were they uh, right the same length of the the ones you had were the right length for the ones uh, for the new axles, the Rubicon axles? They were the same. Now on the on the JL specifically, it's weird that you know they they have at least the Sport S has a Dana forty four rear and a Dana thirty front. Yeah, for the Wranglers. Yep. Right. So now the Dana forty four in the Sport is not the same Dana forty four in a Rubicon. Right. The Rubicons are a little wider and they're a little different. Tubes are a little thicker. Tubes are a little thicker, right? And then on the front, everything bolted right up. That Dana 30 slid out. The Dana 44 went right back in. The drive shaft went in. And, uh, you know, it's amazing on the new Dana Dana 30s, the knuckles are the same as the 44s. All of that is exactly the same. Obviously, the you know the center section is different, but the knuckles and all that are exactly the same. 
Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, as far as um, uh, the, the mechanics, the design, the minimizing the number of parts, it makes sense that they would do it that way. But just because making sense doesn't initially mean that there aren't issues that keep them from being able to do it that way. But I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way for you. Was it kind of a um, let's let's try this and see how it works? Or did you uh, were you confident that the, the Dana 30, Dana 44 swap would be? Uh, an identical one. I mean, I, kn- I knew you didn't know about the brake lines initially, uh, but uh, but you felt confident that you weren't going to have to go down the road with the other stuff, or it was just going to be let's let's try it and then we'll just address it as I find problems. No, I did a little bit of research, checked out some other videos before we made our install video on that, and uh, for the most part, I I did a lot of measurement and. Uh, it looked like it was going to be exactly the same. And once I figured out that the hubs were all the same on the front end, I thought, well, most of this stuff is interchangeable. And so, I, I, you know, once I figured that out, it was most of the uh, anticipation of will things fit were pretty much gone after that. It was just uh, physically just doing it. Good. And I'm sure the answer to this question is yes, but uh, did you feel, do you still feel after being out driving it both on the street and off-road uh, for what, about six months or a year now, I guess, uh, was it a good uh, good decision for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, like I said, the nice thing about it too is that I drive a manual and uh, the re-gear was kind of nice because once I went up to 35s on the, on the, the original factory gearing, I lost, I lost a lot of fourth, all of fifth and sixth. Wow, my goodness, that's a that's a a lot. I figured you right. lost sixth, sure, but uh, I didn't think you had lost uh, fifth and fourth. Woo, that's amazing. Yeah, well, even even going up to the four tens, I rarely can get in six gear. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, for, for thirty fives, I think you probably need four fifty sixes, don't you? 456 or 488s. Right. Because there, there's times when I can't stay in fifth gear long. You know, if we're nice flat, then we're good to go. But And if I'm doing about 80, I'm okay. Other than that, you know, I need to re-gear. That'll be one of the next things after I after I replace those those aluminum knuckles that I still can't believe they made. Um, yeah, gearing will be next. Right. Um, so, uh, and have you picked one? Do you think it'll be 488s? I mean, are, is there 37s in your future? I think so. I think eventually, you know, we all, I think, I think the next set of tires and rims will probably be 37s, which will drive the 488s even more. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's a couple of years down the road for that. It would be nice to be able to use all the gears that you have available to you, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what? People don't think it. That by uh, changing your gearing can actually save you gas mileage. Oh, absolutely it can. It drops that RPM. Right. The fact that I can use those higher gears now, I picked up a couple miles per gallon on the highway. That's huge. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I'm running roughly, if I can stay in fifth gear, I'll consistently run 16, 17. Yeah. And And on a 6,000-pound Wrangler, that's not bad. Right. Uh, six thousand two hundred because you got uh, Duke in there with you. I make the, yeah. I keep making the fat dog jokes. Sorry about that, Duke. Oh, by the way, um, so uh, we're recording this uh, before uh, Toledo Jeep Fest. Uh, so I just uh, I know it happened uh, last week. 
uh, for when this is coming out, when this is being published. But uh, I don't know if you saw the comment on Instagram. I, I think it was um, Randy. I think it was Randy that made the comment. He said he was really going to miss not getting to meet Duke. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's on the, the Instagram, the first post I put, I put up there about uh, showing all the, all you guys that are going to be out there at uh, Toledo Jeep Fest. Okay, and, I'll and of course, that. I, I, and of course, I put Duke uh, Duke's picture on there as well. Duke's got his, he'll, he'll have his own badge for that. Yeah, he's he weighs enough to be a, uh, another person. So <laughs> he's down to 106, Tony. Yeah, I know that you said you were uh, putting him on a, a diet. You guys were putting him on a diet. Uh, I bet you he got really grumpy too. Yeah. He's got better food, but he still gets the same snacks. <laughs> All right, Larry, you said you didn't know nothing about no UFO stuff. Uh, there's This is a big thing in the news. There was a congressional hearing about uh, UAPs, and they call it UAPs now instead of UFOs. So that's that's the first big news. Um, so didn't you see the the, the cam, uh, the, the fighter cam, uh, or fighter uh, camera footage? Uh, of the uh, what was called the Tic Tacs uh, back that were it was recorded back in like 2004 and it was leaked I think around 2016 or something uh, there was a lot of that uh, where you, the, a lot of that being shown and it wasn't taken down it wasn't confirmed uh, by the the military uh, it was a uh, a naval uh, Hornet uh, F-18 Hornet uh, footage and uh, there was actually a uh, the one of the the uh, fighter pilots uh, that uh, came out and talked about what he saw and how it reacted and uh, so on and so forth. You didn't you didn't follow any of that information. You hadn't heard any of that information. No, I'm I'm real guilty of uh, when I see that stuff on TV. Either I keep going or I'm trying to figure out what they're not wanting me to really see. Right. So you you consider it just being a load of crap. <laughs> Well, you said it, not me. But, I mean, that's the way you look at it. Like, there's nothing to see here. I mean, you made that comment earlier that it's just, this is ridiculous. And why am I being shown this? That It's not real. Would that be kind of the way you you feel about it? I don't necessarily think that it's not real. You know, I'm of of the thought that, you know, the universe is too big for there not to be something else out there. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I just think that if... uh, uh, I've gotten a little cynical with the government lately, and I think that they're showing this that they're trying not to get trying to make it so you don't look somewhere else. Right? Yeah, the, like a magician shows you this yeah. this hand so that you don't see what the other hand is doing. Sliding. No, I don't, and I don't disagree with that. Uh, although I don't know how much of the um, the top level, uh, the the public level uh, government wants us to to know about this. Uh, I get the feeling that it's not something. I get the feeling it's a uh, a lot of power that they have by keeping it secret and working on it and gaining information uh, and not sharing it with uh, with the public. Uh, military type stuff that you can uh, overwhelm uh, anybody else on the planet uh, with with the technology if you're able to figure it out and replicate it to some degree. So uh, this happened back. I think it was uh, July 26th. If that was a Wednesday. Three formal, uh, former military officials told Congress that they believe the government knows much more about UFOs than it is telling the public. Um, one gentleman came out at the, I believe, the, the, first, uh, the very first part of, uh, of July 
and said a lot of very interesting things about the UAP uh, that, that he knew about. And he was very clear uh, to mention that he had no firsthand knowledge. It was people that he had spoken with, uh, interviewed, and uh, that had the uh, the security clearances and the ability, and there was confirmations about what he was told by other people saying the same thing. Now, everybody can get the get on the same story, especially if it's the government doing it. I don't think that's the case this time. Um, anyway, uh, I, I don't have the guy's name, uh, but anybody that's been following us knows who I'm talking about. I want to say David Grush, but I don't know that that's right. Anyway, uh, he was one of the three people that were in this congressional hearing. And uh, uh, there was some actually some really good questions. There was no there was no snicker factor in in, in any of this. It was taken very seriously, and uh, there was some very interesting things said. One of the things that uh, this this guy that came out the first part of July in an interview talking about uh, the the UFOs and the government knowing about it for many many years, like seventy years, they've been uh, dealing with this, um, is that there are. Uh, that the government, the U.S. government, has 12 uh, non-human created uh, craft. And uh, he knows the location of all 12. He didn't say they were in the same spot. Uh, But he was asked, he says, well, now that you're talking about this, they're just going to move it. And he goes, "Um, they can't move all of them. (laughs) He said that one is uh, literally um, 300 feet long, and it's so big that they built a building over the top of it. And it's it's not in this country, uh, and he didn't say where it was. Now, when he was asked by the, 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 the several Congress uh, uh, men that, uh, and women, uh, he was asked, does he know the location of these 12 craft? He said, yes. Now, would you share us share with us the location? He says, not publicly, but we can get into a skiff, which is apparently, I mean, I think that was even talked about. A uh, skiff was actually talked about having to do with some of the documents that uh, uh, Donald Trump was talking about, the, the secret documents that he was having, where if you had to, if you want to look at them, you had to be in, the, in a skiff. It's just, uh, I, <laughs> I remembered, I don't know if you remember uh, the, the show um, with uh, Agent 99 and uh, Cone of silence. Sort. Yeah, the cone of silence. It's exactly what I thought about whenever they were talking about the skiff. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, the, 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 he said that we can get in the skiff, and yes, I'll share you that share that information with you. And he's already shared that information uh, with uh, people inside the government uh, in the proper chain of command. So the the more than there apparently is a, a more than one level of government. And I know this is sounding no like a, yeah. I, I know this is sounding like a conspiracy theory. So, but apparently, um, the this one part of the government that handles all this UAP stuff and the uh, all, all the the goodies that uh, they're working on, uh, the the upper level, the level that you know we know and see as in a day to day type thing, either don't know about it uh, or they're threatened to stay out of it. So, and he's already made it clear in the congressional hearings that the the monetary budget that the Congress sets out for things, it's not being used for the things, and I know, big shocker, is not being used for what the Congress is uh, allocating the money for. There, it's being used for that, but also, too, for uh, these uh, these programs to figure out the technology that we have 
uh, captured or be given, been given or however we have them, uh, the, the back engineering, the reverse engineering that's going on. Hold on. Are you trying to, t- are you trying to get me to believe now that the government has taken our money <laughs> and are not doing what they tell us are doing with it? Uh, yes. Uh, we uh, have proof of that. <laughs> I think that's more more unbelievable than a UFO. <laughs> so I was watching a thing today. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Stephen Greer. Uh, he's been big into the UFO scene for the last uh, 20 or 30 years. I've always viewed him as a bit of a crackpot because some of the stuff that he would say was really, really out there. But he was a part of this. He, he actually was helping get these people in front of Congress and actually helping the Congress uh, people uh, with questions to ask them for the hearing. And hmm. doesn't mean he's not a crackpot, but some people are trusting him. And I, and, and I feel better about him involved in the process now knowing what's going on with this stuff. So it makes it a little more interesting, some of the crazy things that he's been talking about over the years. And one of the crazy things I saw recently on a UFO uh, YouTube video was he said, you remember the Jetsons, right? We, we actually have a drop that we use when we talk about EVs here on the show. Right. <laughs> but you remember the Jetsons, the flying cars. Are you guys, are you guys, are you guys say flying cars? Flying cars. He said that that cartoon from the 60s, at the time of that cartoon, we already had all that technology. So, so now you're describing to me Cybertruck. <laughs> this is, uh, this, we're, we're well past the year 2000, which I think all of us thought, okay, flying cars. When we hit the 21st century, we'll have flying cars. What if we could have had flying cars 40 years, 50 years sooner? Would that piss you off? It wouldn't shock me. How's that? I mean, can you imagine what level of technology has been withheld from us? Simply because, uh, let, let's just say that there's a power generation thing. Uh, I mean, we're, I complain repeatedly about EVs are great, but the battery technology is just stupid. It's not where it needs to be for it to be a viable thing, in my opinion. Now, what if you had a way of generating, generating electricity? I'm not talking about batteries for storing and discharging, but, but something that generates electricity. It's small, it's light. And you put it in a vehicle, an aircraft carrier, a plane, or whatever, and it goes and goes and goes and goes. I mean, we're talking about Star Trek and the dilithium crystal type thing where it generates electricity. It generates, well, not just electricity, but it generates a lot of power. So something would have had to have come out of that at some level, right? So what do you think that, what do you think we have today that might have been drove out of that, that, we're not aware of. I'm not sure that enough people uh, have access to it for it to be in the public. Um, there has been some things come out uh, about technologies that were slipped out, usually before uh, that people were getting ready to die, and then they just they just said it. The I forget the gentleman's name, but the guy that was in charge of the Lockheed uh, Martin Skunk Works uh, very famously said that uh, we and this is back in the '80s when he passed. Uh, that we currently have the technology to take ET home today. Not so, surprising, I, well, but it pisses me off. I mean, uh, I, I just I just love watching Star Trek and the whole idea of being able to to go 
and visited the planets. Uh, I mean, I, I've only been to Moab for the first time in my life, and I've lived a long time. Uh, but I guess I'm kind of more interested in what's going on on other planets than here. <laughs> Let's get some pictures. We could be wheeling on Mars, damn it. Oh, my gosh. And I, I keep saying that. When people uh, talk down and bad about the Cybertruck, as soon as you see those things cruising around on us, uh, on Mars, everybody's going to want one. You, can you imagine how often you have to f- change the cabin air filter for the uh, for the Mars uh, Cybertruck? Well, that that's a lot of red there. That's a lot of red there. <laughs> anyway, I, anyway, I'm just amazed at uh, at what's going on with the information coming out about UFOs. Uh, and uh, somebody pointed out something the other day that uh, all these sightings have kind of one thing in common: the majority of the sightings are either uh, in the Pacific or in the Atlantic. So. Uh, they 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 may be just under the water at a very uh, significant depth, and and we don't see them unless they're flying around above the water. So we may have lots of UFOs, maybe even UFO bases uh, at the the deepest portions of the oceans. Well, I've got some European trips coming up here soon. I'll get a window seat. <laughs> And that's the other thing that's going on. I don't know if it's because of AI and the generation of these pretend uh, UFOs uh, are, are just coming out you know, for, for clicks and views, or if they're just getting more prominent. Uh, we're seeing more and more of these things. I, I, I get the feeling that there's a uh, something's going on as far as uh, uh, the, the, the key word, which everybody always uses, is disclosure. Um, I, I mean, I don't see anything bad from this. Other than probably people freaking out, uh, and uh, I mean, you thought that the pandemic was was bad. This potentially could be bad too, and maybe one of the reasons why this stuff is being gradually rolled out. Well, you know yourself. There's cameras everywhere nowadays. I mean, what was the last show we had a story where ladies trying to set, set a a Grand Cherokee on fire, and the, and the camera caught her standing there in the middle of a flame. So <laughs> there's there's cameras everywhere nowadays. Mm-hmm. You can't get you can't get by with that stuff yeah. anymore. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really surprised we haven't seen more of it. Now, I, I I think I've mentioned this before. I did a post on Instagram about it because I used AI to generate an image of something similar to what I saw. But uh, when I was very young, uh, my uh, my mom uh, was always talking about various things, science-related type stuff. But one of the things she was talking about to me was uh, astronomy, and I found it very interesting. And uh, we were going to uh, get up early uh, one morning uh, and uh, go outside and see a comet. Never seen a comet before. And I thought it would be just, you know, I was really excited about it. So, so much so that I was having trouble sleeping the, the night we were going to get up. It wasn't unusual for me to wake up in the, the wee hours of the night. You've had children. You know how it works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I woke up uh, one morning. It was completely dark in the house, uh, very quiet. And uh, there was a section of the house in the living room that I knew that I could look out that window. And there was a, a lot next door that didn't have a house on it and, and no trees. So it was really easy to go over to that window and look up and look at the, the stars in the sky. And I went over there to have a look, and uh, I saw the comet. But it, it was confusing to me because it was it was on our road. It was literally uh, sitting on the road about, I don't know, uh, 300, 400 feet uh, down the road. It was round, and I was confused because it didn't have a tail. It was just a round, white ball, sphere. And it was probably about 30 feet, uh, 25, 30 feet in diameter. And that's all I thought of it. 
I didn't think UFO. I didn't think anything other than the comet that we were going to see had landed on our road. And I didn't, I mean, I was like uh, five or six at the time. And I still have a vivid memory of this. Uh, so much so that it's not like I, I had some sort of vivid dream whenever I was five or six and still remember it now. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I remember actually uh, the next day after I went back to bed and woke up, uh, getting on my bike and running, I'm uh, not running, riding down there and checking the street to see if there was any marks on the street. And it wasn't an, until later that I realized uh, or was told that that must have been a UFO. So my interest in UFOs isn't like, they must be true. There, there's, the galaxy is so big, they, there must be somebody else out there. I literally saw one. So uh, I don't have the luxury, I guess, of non-belief. Uh, can, I, can I say that, well, I probably just had a dream. Maybe I had a vivid dream. Uh, maybe I uh, just had a memory. I mean, I was very young. Uh, that's fine. I mean, all those things are, are potential answers to that. Uh, but, but for me and what I experience and what I remember, um, no, it, it happened. I wasn't scared. It wasn't shocking other than I didn't expect it to be on the road. Insert probing joke here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't have any recollection of anything like that. Um, I thought it was very unusual because the, the first thing I did after seeing this, this on the road was my mom was my partner in astronomy. So I was going to go over and tell her. Uh, hey, the, the comet's on the road. Come see. And uh, she's a big, uh, at that time, she was a, a big UFO uh, person, too. She read, read a lot. She found all this stuff interesting. And I went over there to tell her, and I remember looking at her, and I remember hearing her voice. It's something that she had told me. She says, when you wake up and all the lights are off and everybody's sleeping, uh, don't wake me up. Because, <laughs> of course, that's what I would do. Uh, just go back and get in your bed and go back to sleep. And I heard that looking at her, which in retrospect is strange. I mean, it wasn't like I was remembering it. It was like I was hearing it again, but she was asleep. So uh, hmm. I, I remember trying to look out the bedroom window to see if I could see uh, the comet from their bedroom, mom and dad's bedroom. And I couldn't because the way the, the house is shaped, uh, the, actually the living room uh, blocks that view. But of course, as a, a six-year-old child, uh, that, that concept was foreign to me, that there would be something in my way. And uh, I can't remember if I asked her before or after or look, trying to look out the window. Uh, but I went back in bed. I don't remember going back to bed, but I went back to bed, went to sleep, and woke up the next day. And like I told you, I got on my bike and drove down there to see if I could see any marks on the road, which I didn't mention. I didn't see anything that I could identify as something that wasn't there before. And of course, we always we played on the street with our bikes and rode up and down, all the kids and stuff. So we were on that street all the time. Yeah, maybe you've seen your first UFO there. Uh, yeah, it's the only UFO I, that I know uh, was a UFO. It's the only one I've ever seen. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, one of the things I'm hoping is that they keep good records. So whenever disclosure does come out and we are in uh, communication with the aliens, or hopefully we get access to the the uh, intergalactic Internet, I'll be able to look it up and figure out uh, who it was and why they were there and uh, was I abducted. <laughs> <laughs> That explains a few things. Oh, it does, yeah. Uh, so it, maybe it's why I can, uh, I'm so fidgety and can't sit still. Um, uh, but anyway, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, obviously, I'm thinking you haven't had any of the experiences, but I'm always curious 
about other people having experiences, especially when people are out on Jeep adventures and they're out in the middle of nowhere. This is the, the, the really the perfect time. And the great thing is, is that a lot of people don't want to talk about this because of all the giggle factor and all the stuff that have, has been said for years. But now that this is coming to the forefront, that the, the Congress is having hearings on this and this information is coming out, I'm hoping that people are going to feel more comfortable talking about this and I'd like to know about it. So you guys go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, reach out to, uh, to us. You can stay anonymous. But I want to know what your UFO, UAP uh, story is. And if, if you're part of the government, part of the secret government, uh, part of the military, ex-military, and there was some weird shit that you're absolutely certain wasn't anything that uh, could be explained um, properly, I want to know about it. So give me, a, give me a call. Give me a contact. Anonymous call. That'd be interesting. Yep. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I just found out a very interesting fact about the 4XE forward-facing camera. Yeah, if you press the gas and the brake pedal at the same time, you take a screenshot. Yeah, but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that there was a big accident at the Army base. Yeah, Jeep ran into a very large bag of popcorn. It took out an untold number of kernels. That one is almost 18% funnier. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later, and you have a good one. Bye. You know, I'm thinking, um, and and this is just a joke, but I'm thinking that we put a shock collar collar on Nikki G that works uh, through the Internet, and then... uh, we have a voting thing, and then every time he tells his joke, if nobody, if everybody thinks it's eighteen percent funnier, there's no shock. Anything less than eighteen percent funnier, I hit the button. He gets shocked. <laughs> so he's nervous, waiting, you know, for the the day that we uh, they actually uh, put this thing out. <laughs> is it gonna well, is it gonna pass muster or not? <laughs> I, I know this will come out after Toledo Jeep Fest, but uh-huh. hopefully he's got some. 18% plus jokes while we're out there. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to have fun with Nikki G there. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. I think uh, there was a, there's a total of five of you uh, guys going that's uh, associated with the Jeep Talk Show in some some way or another. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that uh, uh, on our uh, next week episode. Yes, sir. All right, so in this must-have stuff pick of the week for your Jeep, uh, given the TJ a little love, I actually saw this question online in uh, one of the forums out there. They wanted to know what a great replacement shock is for their Jeep TJ. I think it was a 2003. It might have been 2005, but uh, they're all about the same anyway. All those years are about the same. Uh, and I thought um, that yeah, a lot of the things that I, I learned on my XJ translate for the TJ. Not everything, but a lot of things do. I always screw up when I'm talking about when they're talking about uh, 4.0 oil leaks, and I tell them to check the three O-rings on the oil uh, filter adapter, and I always forget that the TJ doesn't have the oil filter adapter, so it's uh, it's not those three O-rings. Actually, I need to have a close look at uh, one of the uh, the TJs we have here because in my head I can't picture uh, what's there. I think it just sticks out. Uh, you know, I just have to have a look. But anyway, it, uh, I've been corrected on that, and I'm trying not to make that same mistake every time. Uh, but anyway, uh, I found that the uh, Bilstein um, 5100 shocks were great shocks 
uh, for my XJ. Uh, and I did a little research uh, today before doing the uh, the episode, and it is. It's a good shock for the TJ as well. Now, these Bilstein 24-18, uh, 6810, uh, 5100 shock absorbers are for the front of your TJ. Uh, they are designed a little bit differently. Um, the, the way they mount to the Jeep is differently than the rear. And uh, Larry, have you ever worked on a TJ? Uh, this the the LJ is your first Jeep, right? JL, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, JL. Yeah, I've never, I've never worked on a TJ. So uh, or an XJ or anything uh, anything other than the uh, the JL, right? Correct. So uh, the TJ and the XJ have this really lovely thing uh, on the rear for the rear shocks where uh, you have uh, two little bitty bolts that go into uh, welded on nuts uh, and uh, you cannot remove those nuts without twisting them off. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. I've done that on other vehicles. You're better off just getting a chisel or the air hammer out and just take them off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but it is designed well enough where you can actually just take a, a nut and uh, put it on the, the bolt that's uh, going to hold the shock on and uh, just leave a gap. Uh, and then uh, it doesn't actually have a hole for the, for the bolt. It's just a, a little uh, a rounded cutout. So you can just put them in place, tighten them down, and you're done. So it does work out well, but if you don't have something to knock those little bastards out, it's very frustrating uh, because, you know, you got to get the nuts that are welded on off the back of it. Uh, and I, I suppose you could probably put those little clips, uh, you know, like the body panels and stuff use where you just put the clip on there and then screw into the clip. I still like the idea of having a, a nut and a lock washer uh, yeah. on there, though, uh, especially yeah, for a shock. Well, you know how, you know how riding around with a, a shock missing is, Larry. <laughs> I might have experienced that. <laughs> But anyway, these are front shocks, and the front shocks are very easy to install. Uh, it's all done with the opening the hood and uh, getting down there where uh, uh, on the axle, a uh, couple bolts. And if uh, if those break, which I'd, I've never had a problem with them breaking, although I would imagine in, in high salt environments that could be an issue. Uh, but uh, the 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 fifty one hundred shocks uh, are great on my XJ. Uh, and when I've got to replace them on uh, the the wife's TJ, this is what I'm going to go with. Now they are uh, they're really pricey. I mean, they were I think I bought two for like eighty bucks or ninety bucks. Uh, these are individually a hundred and four ninety five. It's uh, not that bad. Well, not not nowadays, but remembering what I paid before, it's 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 huge compared. I mean, it's a, a over a hundred dollars more. Uh, but uh, great shock. You only, it's only one. And again, that's the Bilstein 24-186810. Now, you do need to make sure that you get the right length shock. So there's measurements and stuff you can do, or you can just look online and uh, look up oh, for the shock is for uh, X amount of lift. And uh, yeah. then you get the, the right length. Because you, really you don't really don't want the shocks bottoming out a lot. And, uh, you, you know, they are going to... Uh, be your, um, uh, not bump stop, but your axle droop, uh, um, keep the axle from drooping too far. Right. And you just don't want them banging when they come all the way up. Yeah, just driving down the road, you don't want it banging, uh, banging either way. So right. it, it does need to be the right length. So, But the great shocks. I, I mean, on the X-ray, they're great. Uh, I've got, uh, I did them on the front first, and then later I uh, got the ones for the rear. So uh, I should be good for uh, some time to come, especially since I haven't been driving it. I do need to get out there and uh, start uh, getting all the stuff. Um, uh, I don't want to say back to where I can drive it because it can be driven now. The, about the only thing I need to do is replace the transmission lines because there's a, 
uh, a tiny leak in one of the transmission lines. Uh, but uh, I'd like to get it set up so that uh, I get the right, I get the uh, the front drive shaft uh, sized properly after I put the long arms on the uh, the XJ. Uh, the 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 drive shaft is extended a little too much, and I don't want to. Uh, I like the way where the I like where the wheels are, the front axle is, and I don't want to change that. I could I could snug right. it I could snug it up and get away on that, but I'd rather just uh, have the front uh, drive shaft lengthened. Put the right shaft in it. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, Bill Steen shocks. Get them for your TJ. I think you'll be very happy. Also, good shock for your XJ. You know, it's always a little sad when we hit the end of the trail, but there's always another trail ride just down the road. Another show, too. Jeep Talk Show has four episodes a week, Tuesday through Friday, and sometimes uh, every other Monday on Monday with the Chip Chat. Subscribe and never miss an episode. Oh, and speaking of subscribing, you thought you were going to get out of this without hearing this, didn't you? Uh, consider keeping the Jeep Talk Show on the air and going to events by subscribing to the show via Patreon. Uh, you know, Larry, it's really looking good that for 2024, with the income that we're getting from the show, I might actually be able to go to Toledo Jeep Fest, Great Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion, uh, but for sure, I'll be going to Easter Jeep Safari. So um, this this is the kind of stuff. I mean, we were saying, what, what what the hell do I care if Tony gets to go places? Well, if Tony gets to go places, I talk to people, I take pictures, I get to meet you guys, and uh, the show gets better because I'm more involved in the off-road community. It's kind of a curse. It's a blessing and a curse being down here in Southeast Texas. Oh, yeah. I love Texas. I love being in Southeast Texas. This is where I'm from. Uh, but it makes it difficult to get to these places that, uh, like Toledo. I mean, that's a long way away from me. All those experiences make it better. Yeah, yeah. And the contacts that I make is uh, going to be great for the show. So the place to go for all the information on how to subscribe and contact us, be part of our Discord server, join in on the Zoom meeting for our roundtable, all that stuff, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. So, Larry, I was a little disturbed. I was uh, sleeping, and I, I got this itch. It was down in the nether region. Do you think that could be the that Jeep thing that everybody talks about? That it, that it was those aliens. <laughs> what was the front part, not the back part? Well, you never know. Broadcasting since 2010.